Good afternoon and welcome to the Thursday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll hear from the chair of the Manitoba Crop Alliance, Robert Misko. Also, Glendalee Allen Vosser will chat with FarmLink's chief market analyst, Neil Townsend. And out first in today's country comment, we'll be joined by the chair of Manitoba Chicken Producers. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Manitoba Chicken Producers is responding following the news yesterday that avian influenza has been confirmed into different wild bird samples here in the province. Here's Chair Jake Weeb. So we know what's in the wild birds in the province, and so uh, we know that the vector to carry it into our into our suscept into our into our chicken flocks would be uh, you know carrying it in with tires or boots. And so that's where our vigilance is. We're, we're uh, continuing to do what we have been doing, which is uh, biosecurity, making sure that we're not carrying it in. Uh, you know, some of the common outdoor things, uh, uh, you know, making sure feed spills are cleaned up so that we don't attract uh, the wild birds to our facilities and, and you know, bring the, uh, bring the droppings closer to our, to our barns. Uh, just some common sense things, and uh, hopefully uh, we can keep it at bay. On the food safety side of things, you know, just talk about the impact there, if, if any. Well, yeah, there's no impact there. So the any any infected flocks, uh, you know, we'll notice the the condition in the barn. The birds will get sick. There's respiratory issues, and so uh, at that point, uh, the birds are the flock would be a decision made to to put down the flock. And to contain the uh, uh, the cleanup, so it's not a food safety issue. Uh, it, it's it's an issue for the uh, for the producer in in trying to make sure that we can continue to uh, to supply a safe, uh, nutritious chicken to the to the consumer. You know, I guess at this point, there this is just a wild bird issue, right? In Manitoba, it's yeah. just a wild bird issue. Yes. Okay. Anything else that uh, that people should know here today? Well, so. For the commercial farmers, you know we've got uh, we've got signage on our doors. We've we've always been telling people the reason we keep our doors closed and locked is is to keep any potential diseases out. In the case like this, uh, now that we know there's one in the province and bird droppings are uh, could be uh, anywhere, uh, we we are also hoping um, that the backyard flock owners uh, will will do some of the same, where they'll keep their birds indoors because. Uh, anywhere where you where where the, where the transmission happens and, and it becomes part of a domestic flock, it just increases the risk for all of us. And so, yeah, we're it's it's kind of a whole industry approach, and uh, we're just trying to keep it uh, keep it manageable. It's much more manageable when it's not uh, down on the ground uh, uh, in a domestic flock anywhere. That was Jake Weeb. He's the chair of Manitoba Chicken Producers. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon. I'm Corey Canute. Manitoba Chicken Producers is responding following the news yesterday that avian influenza has been confirmed in two different wild bird samples in Manitoba. Here's Chair Jake Weeb. So we know what's in the wild birds in the province. We know that the vector to carry it into our into our chicken flocks would be, uh, you know, carrying it in with tires or boots. And so that's where our vigilance is. We're uh, continuing to do what we have been doing, which is uh, 
biosecurity, making sure that we're not carrying it in. Some of the common outdoor things, uh, uh, you know, making sure feed spills are cleaned up so that we don't attract uh, the wild birds to our facilities and, and you know, bring the, uh, bring the droppings closer to our, to our barns. To date, no cases of avian influenza have been detected in poultry flocks in Manitoba. And Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada held an industry consultation town hall discussion focusing on Canada's goal of reducing fertilizer emissions by 30% for on-farm use by 2030. Rick White, president and CEO of the Canadian Canola Growers Association, says fertilizer is critical to farming operations and they need to realize that sustainability is more than environmental. Farmers, if they're not economic, they're not sustainable in the first place. So if we're going down this path, we need to focus on fertilizer emissions reduction and certainly not a reduction um, of fertilizer use in this country because that will uh, create significant financial hardship for farmers. He notes at this point we don't have any baseline data as to what fertilizer emissions are right now. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Thursday, April 21st. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, Glendalee Allen Wasser talks with FarmLink's Chief Market Analyst Neil Townsend. Today, Glendalee Allen Wasser talks with FarmLink's Chief Market Analyst Neil Townsend about what he expects to see when it comes to seeding intentions. Let's start by talking maybe about some of the key highlights that we're seeing in the markets right now is as producers get set to get in the ground. Yeah, I mean, I think the sort of dominating issue, obviously, is the, you know, the tragic war being fought in Ukraine. It's having a, you know, very disruptive impact on the markets and on the world. And, I mean, there's a lot of concerns about uh, food security because, you know, it's a very critical country invading another very critical country for sort of the exportable surplus of the world in terms of grains and and even critical oil seeds, including sunflowers and even, you know, uh, an incremental amount of rapeseed that's critical for the world. So and that's that's one of the very big stories. You know, there's other things happening as well. So it's, you know, some people have used the term perfect storm. I'm not sure about that, but it's just a lot of variables in motion. And I'd say a couple other ones are, you know, there's a lot of inflation that's sort of happening all around the world that's causing, you know, a lot of geopolitical concerns or political concerns in countries and makes for arrest of populations in some areas. And then, uh, and that doesn't show any signs of really uh, abating. And I think for farmers in Western Canada and around the world, I mean, we're going to be entering a much higher interest rate environment than we've experienced in the last little while. And that could get, you know, pretty challenging because it could go to levels that we haven't seen in, you know, a generation potentially. Uh, then the other thing too is I think we're not quite cured with, um, uh, you know, not not to be a pun or anything like that, but we're not over completely the disruptive impacts of COVID-19. And we're seeing China right now sort of experience, uh, you know, a lot of disruption in, in terms of their economy and their ability to sort of ship things or import things in a timely manner because of, uh, you know, they're still pursuing a policy of uh, you know, zero COVID or COVID zero, which means like full shutdowns. And, you know, one of the major cities in the world, Shanghai, is being shut down for, you know, almost a month. And that's had a, you know, extremely disruptive impact on, on you know, the world shipping and, and just, you know, 
creates a lot of uncertainty and a lot of volatility. And that's exactly what all of those things do is just create heightened uncertainty and elevated volatility, which is, you know, having a, an impact on everything that we do as farmers and in the farm community and also, you know, just as the general public. And I mean, it's going to be very interesting as we proceed to 22-23. What are you hearing as far as seeding intentions? Well, that's a great question. There's still a little bit of a dynamic going on. Farmers maybe haven't made their absolute final decisions. I mean, you know, first and foremost, there is pretty solid adherence to the overall, um, you know, rotation concept. So if they were planting a grain, they're still thinking of planting a grain. If they're planting an oil seed, they're still thinking of planting an oil seed. Some exceptions to that would be, you know, there's certain circumstances where, you know, something was applied last year, a chemical or a fertilizer, and didn't get used up. So, uh, you know, maybe that will dictate instead of planting you know, a derm, for example, they might plant something else because they don't want to plant it into a residual of sort of a chemical used for pulses. That's one thing we've heard. But the big winner looks to be oats going up about, at one point it was up, you know, double double digits, like 10 or 15%. Now we have it up 6 or 7%. But again, oats, despite a very tight uh, S&D, hasn't been doing much price-wise, so it'll be interesting to see if in the end uh, the oat acres don't quite reach the 6 or 7% increase that we see. Perhaps one of the more surprising ones is that canola, despite having you know record prices or near record prices for the majority of the year and a strengthening price regime for new crop, hasn't been able to attract that many more acres. We've done our poll three, four times, and you know, it's always one part art, one part science. We ask people, but we also sort of extrapolate other things we've heard and other investigations. And, you know, at, at best, we have canola kind of going up 1% or 2% in terms of acres. Uh, and, and those are probably the two that stick out the most. I mean, some of the smaller crops that we're seeing a bit of a bounce in would be, uh, you know, mustard, obviously, at very, very strong prices. We're seeing some more interest in that, a little bit more interest in flax um, and those types of things, a bit more interest in maybe canary seed. But... Of the major crops, you know, that's what we see. And, and then the other one that I, that I find particularly interesting, because I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, a, a really dynamic argument to be made that there's considerable upside to that crop is barley. Barley is down. And again, people have favored oats over barley, maybe, and, and even wheat over barley. But, you know, the world barley situation could be very, very interesting in 22-23, because you know, we're planting a very small crop in Western Canada by our standards for barley. And yet, you know, both Russia and Ukraine are critical components of the world trade of barley. And Ukraine could be completely offline. And, you know, where do you substitute that barley from? It's very difficult to find it in other jurisdictions. Pulses are an interesting one. I mean, obviously, I think um, pulses were impacted by a lack of containers and a lack of exports, you know, a dynamic export kind of pull this year, but the prices have been strong. But what we're seeing in the pulses is we see pea acres overall uh, down 2%. Uh, yellow pea acres are actually up by one, but uh, greens are down fairly hard. It's one of the biggest uh, decreases year in year, down 20%. Uh, and then on the lentil front, we see really even acres at 0%. But again, we see reds gaining 1% and uh, large greens going down by 4%. Um, so, you know, pretty flat. And and again, um, you know, depending on the export program and the pull from, from India, 
you know, pulse dynamics in Canada, you know, could be pretty interesting because the stocks that we're going to pull into 22, 23 are going to be very tight. And one of the things we've been hearing lately is that, you know, the last uh, period of the growing season in, um, in India was uh, there was some extreme heat. So they're, they're starting to maybe pull back some of the estimates of overall production in India from, uh, from where they were heading. So that could be favorable also as well for the world market for pulses. Any more information as far as wheat and Durham you'd like to share with producers? Sure. Like uh, wheat, uh, again, I mean, obviously we've seen very strong prices, especially over the last month. I mean, the, you know, the futures have gone up almost every day over the last 30 days. Um, and we have acres for, you know, non-Durham wheat going up by 3%. You know, to a pretty big total, but I, I will stress that the overall total is still below the five-year average. Um, again, uh, Durham acres are actually scheduled to go up 6%, but I think there's an overall, I mean, including uh, FarmLink, we've had a frustrating time with, with Durham this year. Uh, you know, so much promise before Christmas, and then the market just sort of fell off a cliff in January and never recovered anywhere close to the prices that we saw in the, in the early part of January. So, you know, Durham acres, when we pulled like around January, they were set to jump by a big amount by about 10%. And every poll since then they've gone back and they've clawed back. And I think, you know, as the situation progresses, I mean, maybe Durham acres will be flatter than our current estimate, which is to be up around 5%. You know, when things trend dry, I mean, Durham's a good choice and, and might beat out spring wheat in a lot of the sort of uh, core areas for Durham. But on the peripheral areas or uh, for Durham, I think there might be some switching from Durham over, over to spring wheat. So maybe spring wheat gains a few hundred thousand more acres and Durham declines by a couple hundred thousand. That's Neil Townsend, FarmLink's Chief Market Analyst for Golden West. I'm Glendalee Allen Bossler. Thanks, Glendalee. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. On behalf of Glendalee Allen Bossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association is putting on a Fence and Water Solutions Workshop June 1st. Cost is $30. You can register on the MFGA website. Seeds Canada is holding its annual meeting July 11th to the 14th at the RBC Convention Centre in Winnipeg. The Canadian Semitol Association is holding its annual meeting July 23rd in Portage La Prairie. Details at Semental.com. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Thursday afternoon, we're joined now by Manitoba Crop Alliance Chair Robert Misko to talk about how this spring is unfolding. Compared to last year, and, and obviously no two years are the same, and last year might have been maybe a little more on average early because I think some guys were already starting to go at this time last year. Uh, we're looking at probably, I think, uh, pretty well anywhere across the province. You're looking at at least a month before we're getting started, so that's mid-May which isn't excessively late, but it definitely makes you have that wonder, how is fall going to come along? Because you're definitely getting into a later seeding, and that's provided the weather starts to cooperate, because with uh, temperatures in the single digits for the next two weeks, it's not going to speed up that melting process any. Would farmers consider changing their seeding plans, or those are pretty much in place? I think that varies from farmer to farmer. I mean, it depends on how how you're set up. If you've gotten some fertilizer done or, uh, you know, fall chemical applied, you may not have a lot of choice in what you can change into. 
there's probably always a few flex acres that can pop in that, that, that can be adjusted a little bit. Um, but I, I, I think at this point, I think a lot of farmers' plans are kind of made the, the variable acres are limited. And what are the first crops that we normally see going in? Well, I would think probably uh, peas, wheat, uh, ones that aren't normally too, too afraid of a, spring, a light spring frost. Um, so at this point, I would, I would think that's definitely going to be the plan. Hopefully, uh, we do seem to see that if the spring is a little later, not a, not a law by any means, but hopefully that the ground will be warmer when everything does finally get going and, and things go on the ground and they come up a little quicker. But again, we can't predict that. We can just keep hoping. And after last year's um, drought, you know, we, we had some, some rain in the fall there and then all the snow over the winter and then more rain this weekend. You know, how are, how are things shaping up? Well, I think, I think the optimism is definitely out there that, that maybe we won't be as bad off as we were last year with the drought. Uh, that, that snow and that extra moisture is definitely going to have some effect. I mean, there's, it's got to be building up. I don't think we've completely rebuilt our reserves, but at least we've got a good start. Because you don't have to go too terribly far uh, to the west, and there's still some areas out there that are pretty darn dry. They didn't get a lot of snow, and they don't really have any cover right now either. And just with the with the weather out there, is that going to impact, you know, say farmers who are planning to to put fertilizer in? You know, does that sort of uh, change their plans? Or I don't think so. I, I think when you get the the delayed seeding, if if anything, uh, I don't know if it would be the rosy part of it, but if you have fertilizer to apply. If you're not doing it direct with your seed, then I think it actually sometimes gives you a little bit of extra time because you can get some fertilizer on when it's just a little damper, whereas you wouldn't want to seed. Uh, so I, I, if anything, hopefully that might help those guys out to get everything going and, and get their seeding in. You know, It's just one extra job that can maybe get done before you're not quite ready to seed. Any other thoughts on the upcoming uh, season? Or Hoping everyone is safe and, uh, and productive seeding and... Uh, I think the other the other issue that we've been really starting to get uh, pick up on a little bit more. We just had our board meeting yesterday for MCA. Is um, stress, uh, and and this might be just one more of those things that adds to some farmers' stress. And uh, there are some options out there. Uh, so hopefully, anyone that's feeling that they're they're having a hard time coping, uh, reach out. Uh, it's always better to be safe and uh, and. Be safe, be careful, and and take care of yourself. That was Manitoba Crop Alliance Chair Robert Misko. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. The chair of Manitoba Chicken Producers is responding following the news yesterday that avian influenza has been confirmed in two different wild bird samples in Manitoba. Here's Chair Jake Weeb. Any infected flocks, We'll notice the, the condition in the barn, the, the birds will get sick, there's respiratory issues. And so uh, at that point, uh, there'd be a decision made to, to put down the flock and to contain the uh, cleanup. It's not a food safety issue. Uh, it, it's, it's an issue for the, uh, for the producer in, in trying to make sure that we can continue to, uh, to supply a safe, uh, nutritious chicken to the consumer. To date, no cases of avian influenza have been detected in poultry flocks in Manitoba. And a review of the Pest Management Regulatory Agency is currently underway, focusing on transparency and their regulatory approach. The Canadian Canola Growers Association President and CEO Rick White has been involved in the discussions. We insist and uh, continue to 
uh, ask that they maintain a science-based approach to approval of pesticides and renewal of pesticides as we go forward. Stick to the science uh, and make sure that there's no political interference in any of that decision-making process. He notes it'll be a few months before any decisions are made. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email to farmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll hear from Canola Council of Canada President Jim Everson. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can meet us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.